Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along, this is New Zealand Tech Podcast, we're at episode 163. I'm Paul Spain, and with me is... Nate Dunn. And Kent Dapier. Welcome along, guys. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Kent, uh, we'll start with you. Tell us where you fit into the technology world in New Zealand. All right. So uh, I've been working for Netgear for the last four years as their country manager. Um, I head up their business for distribution and retail, so looking after the key national retailers, our partners like JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, uh, Dick Smiths. Good. All right. Well, we'll jump back um, a little bit later on and and have a chit-chat through some of the the most interesting uh, things happening in in the world of Netgear. Um, But, Nate, over to you. How do I find the tech? I own a software company called Three Bit. I also do a little bit of stuff on Geekson and blog off there. And I also have my claim to fame on Twitter. Is I'm Nate on Twitter. Seems. And you're quite a gadget enthusiast. Yeah, I quite like the old gadget. Also. And today, showing off your um, interest in pies. Yeah, I've got a Georgie Pie T-shirt on. Funny story is that I always wear the shirt whenever I fly to Wellington, and the reason I do that is because the and this is leading up my secret is the security guys will always go, oh, I love Georgie Pie, and my bag will actually go straight through, and I'm not even making this up. So now whenever I fly, I wear the Georgie Pie shirt because I get through security quicker. Well, good tip. So uh, anyone that wants to get through uh, security? New Zealand security, that is. In Wellington. I don't think it'll help you in Washington or many other parts no. of the world. No. Um, in fact, it might cause you more trouble than it's worth in other, uh, other places. <laughs> I don't know why, but... Um, Probably. There, there's got to be some... some uh, some flip side to the uh, the good side. Anyway, so uh, this re- this is our last episode before uh, before Christmas, and we are going to be chatting through about really some of the best tech of the year. And we've had a blog post up over the last few days at nztechpodcast.com, dot uh, com, really highlight highlighting some of those favourite things that we've played with during the year. Some of them uh, are actually quite new, and we've got one or two gadgets here with us that we haven't had a chance to discuss on the podcast before so we will be talking about those and uh, we'll be getting a bit of an update from Kent on what's happening in the world of uh, of Netgear as well so let's jump in uh, to start with we have a list on the site of a whole lot of sort of uh, well bargains basically sort of uh, cheap tech and, uh, and gadgets that you can get your uh, you can get your hot little hands on uh, quite handy at this time of year if you've got a little bit of money burning a hole in your pocket and you're wondering uh, what to get so across a, a range of uh, categories so uh, a little one there is the uh, Logitech's uh, Z50 little multimedia speaker, thirty bucks. There's lots of different speakers on the market at that sort of uh, low end, but that's a uh, um, mono, not a stereo one, um, but reasonably good sort of sound and uh, and quality for the um, for the money. Um, then next up on the list, we've got uh, Nokia's Lumia 520, which is probably one of the best sort of bangs for buck as far as uh, low-end smartphones are concerned. Kent, you were having a look at that uh, that earlier. What's your sort of thought on that from a, a sort of size and weight perspective, etc.? I thought for the price at $179, that's an amazing smartphone to give to kids um, or for a first smartphone. Um, it's, it's a fifth of the price of an Apple iPhone. 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, I mean, I think there's a, there a lot of people that probably don't need a high-end uh, phone. They're maybe not a complete gadget uh, enthusiast freak and needs to have the absolute best. But actually, the photos and all the other things those do are, are, are quite good. And, um, yeah, if you don't need the top-end phone, it's quite a good uh, price point. There's also quite a few uh, Androids now at the lower price points that are starting to get quite reasonable, whereas in the past, the, the early Android, the lower-cost Androids were were real rubbish, um, but that that's certainly on the uh, on the improve now. Also on the Android front, um, one of the tablet Android tablets that's quite good value um, is HP HP um, Slate Seven, uh, which I've been using a bit over the last few months, and um, you can pick those up around one hundred and ninety dollars at the moment. And for a, a seven inch Android tablet, um, yeah, pretty good value actually. How does that compare to the um, iPad Mini? What, what size is that screen? Is it 7 as well or is it bigger or smaller? Uh, the iPad Mini 7.9 inch. So there's quite a few tablets in that sort of 8-inch um, uh, type form factor. In fact, you've got a 7-inch one uh, right next to you there we'll, we'll chat about in a little while. Uh, now, one of one of my um, favourite sort of, uh, yeah, one of my favourite little devices that's come out in the last few months, this was one that I saw um, launched in in San Francisco a few months ago, um, is the ASUS Transformer Book T100, uh, which is a, a hybrid laptop uh, tablet, which comes in at $699 for the 64 gig variant, which is what they've launched in New Zealand. And yeah, it's quite good value as far as a, uh, a little laptop is concerned, but also you can separate off the screen. Uh, yeah, quite competitive price-wise, considering that's got a keyboard uh, with it, so it uh, comes together and, and operates like a laptop if you want it to be that clamshell type style, um, or as a ten-inch uh, Windows tablet. So quite a quite a good deal. Uh, I mean, certainly it's a lo- it's a lower end brand, and there are obviously uh, products from the other vendors. Uh, that that compete with it, but uh, none of them at that kind of uh, real entry level uh, price point. Now, um, Nate, you've have you had a play with the um, Transformer book, the T one hundred? I'm trying to think if I remember going to see the Asus product launch at uh, in Green Lane at the. Oh uh, yeah, that, so the no- then. that was a few months ago. Yeah, well, that wasn't yeah. the Novotel or wherever it was. Yeah, I, actually, no, I think I've had a play here. And, uh, to me, yeah, I just, thought you had seen it here. The click thing doesn't. I think this, they're now standard. Um, now a sport with um, the um, oh, Microsoft tablet. What's it called with the clickable keyboard? The Surface. Surface. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. The, the way that that just clicks together and is very well styled and designed. To me, the Asus just seems a bit sort of bulky. But I know it is a different form factor and everything. But I, I think yeah, I'm now comparing it to how well the the Surface just clicks together. And I didn't really like the way the Asus. Yeah. For me, yeah. Yep. Okay. Fair enough, and and I mean they are very in a very different category. Whereas the Surface is a real premium product that I guess you know Microsoft has tried to uh, you know position as direct competition to you know the Apple products being a, a real premium um, class of product. What I liked about the uh, the the T one hundred is that you do have a um, that that ability to use it as a laptop, something you can use on your lap really well. Uh, whereas the Surface tablets don't. Uh, don't sit so well because they don't have, uh, you know, a hinged connection between the That's keyboard true. and the and the screen. So, uh, not that there's too often where I need to use um, use a laptop, but when we're sitting around doing a podcast, 
Uh, that's the uh, the most common time, so it always seems to come up in discussion here. Uh, now, other um, other bits in our, uh, I guess, our bargain category. Um, Skinny have got their uh, sixteen dollar a month. Uh, uh, what they're calling their st- stretch combo. Uh, so, what do you actually get for that? Uh, you get, I think, you get a hundred uh, minutes worth of calls. You get uh, five hundred megs worth of data, and you get. Virtually unlimited uh, text messages, and for I think December, January, they're they're doubling up on the data from uh, half a gig to um, a gig, and doubling up on I think the minutes as well. What about calling? You, unlimited calling as well, or just text? Uh, it's it's hundred hundred minutes for calling, which oh, yeah, can sorry, be uh, nationwide, uh, or at the moment they're covering Australia in there as well. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's pretty cheap. So skinny, of course, being. Um, Telecom's sort of uh, budget brand, but it uh, it uses telecom sort of nationwide network to uh, to deliver it. Uh, internet plans uh, all kind of, uh, uh, I guess, doing pretty strongly out there, and they've had some of these uh, plans around for a while. Uh, their TV advertising with uh, Kim dot com uh, recently has helped give them a whole bunch of extra customers uh, onto their uh, their unlimited uh, plan, which is ninety nine dollars. And you pay the same whether you're on uh, ultra fast broadband or um, ADSL. Um, interestingly, they don't have this, uh, or they don't have VDSL available just yet. But apparently, it's coming fairly soon. Uh, and their uh, DSL plan is at the slower um, thirty slash ten speed. But ninety nine dollars for sort of uncapped internet is um, is I think pretty reasonable value. Very cool. Now, are either of you guys projector fans? No, not so much. <laughs> I live in a small flat in Mount Eden. My place isn't big enough to have a projector. Is it big enough? Let alone a big screen TV. I'm I'm quite a fan of uh, of projectors, and particularly those that have got you know reasonable resolution, full HD. Uh, and this year we've seen sort of the price of those projectors uh, come down. And um, Epson have got their TW5200 out, and that um, that's in the market now for uh, just under fifteen hundred dollars. Which is quite cool if you do want to have a really big image, much bigger than you would, you know, normally get with a TV. You can do, you know, hundred inch plus if you've got enough uh, um, distance from a projection uh, perspective. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's quite a cool, uh, quite a cool product from um, Epson. The um, the TW fifteen hundred. Previously, we were talking about uh, in the direction of uh, fifty to one hundred percent more than that. If we go back, sort of the previous year. Uh, the main downside though of their sort of budget uh, projector is it doesn't have the same zoom. So in a small room like what you're talking about, Nate, uh, you wouldn't be able to get, actually get a particularly big picture out of this projector. Uh, whereas the one I, the model I've got, which is a, is a little bit older, uh, in a fairly small room, you can blow that up and easily get to a hundred inches without too much drama. You know how, and I know very little about projectors, but you know how some of the projectors you can get, you can actually mount to the wall. Above where the screen's supposed to be, so is it yeah, called they're, short they're called short throw. Yeah. So yep. can you get that in that style of HD, or you have to sort of be a distance away and project at a so the further you're away, obviously the bigger the 
the no, the, I mean the the short throws. Are, uh, I mean, uh, so far I think have mainly been uh, targeted at sort of boardrooms and business use. You pay quite a premium for those. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I imagine it won't be too far down the track before these things just become available, and you know you can have on your you know on your your cabinet where you'd normally put a TV, you could put a little projector. And it just pushes it straight up on the wall, um, you know, next to where you are. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, those very short throw ones, and yeah, incredible because it wasn't uh, that long ago such a thing didn't exist, and now you can have one that yeah, virtually sits on the wall uh, and it projects it onto it. So yeah, uh, now gaming consoles. Well, still on the fence about that one. So, uh, any opinions from either of you on the new gaming consoles? Uh, well, look, I, I guess I really like the Xbox's HDMI pass-through, although it's not currently really working in New Zealand yet. Um, hopefully they can enable that um, to make it work. Yeah, um, well, I guess it works, but it doesn't have the full functionality, does it, in terms mm. of all the fancy. If you're plugging in your uh, uh, your MySky, et cetera, you can't really control that so easily. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely some potential there. And uh, what about the Connect? What are your thoughts on that? Because that's sort of an integral part of the, the Xbox. Well, the the Skype feature of following you around the room is probably the most exciting thing I've seen, and and a, as you were saying earlier, Paul, it's it's I guess it's a bit like having a a, uh, a video production crew following you around your living room. Yeah, it is that is quite neat, definitely. Um, Nate, you got a you got a pick because you're uh, currently um, a gamer. You're, you're you're a bit of a gamer, and you've got Xbox and uh, and PlayStation. In fact, you've got my old uh, PS3, and I have a Wii. So, um, any uh, any preference for you? You haven't jumped in and bought a, no. a next gen one yet, have you? You still uh, you still waiting? I'm yeah. I've yeah. I've got no idea what to jump across to. If I'm honest, um, playing a lot of PS3. I got the Xbox, which I I don't know. If, I can't remember where I got that from actually. But I got the Xbox, which I very rarely play. PS3 is pretty much the the console for me. So, whether I jump to PS4 or jump across to Microsoft, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still a little bit on the fence. Been playing around with both of them. They're both very very cool. Uh, but I think you know a big part's going to be how they sell, and at the moment the uh, the Sony seems to be outselling the PlayStation. Um, but yeah, you've got some of those extra um, yeah features like like the Connect and the uh, um, yeah the ability to plug other um, other stuff in with the HDMI pass through on the Xbox, which which makes it interesting. So we will see. Now uh, iOS devices, the the two that sort of stood out uh, for me. Uh, being the iPad Mini with Retina um, and the fi- the five S, I quite like the um, the fingerprint um, reader authentication on that. Um, but there's also the um, the iPad Air, which um, you're a bit of a fan of, there, Kent. I'm actually sporting one here today, so yeah, um, I Can think say it's, that. it's a couple of weeks old. Um, and I really like it. It's it's giving me, ad- I guess, additional functionality that I wouldn't do on my iPhone. Um, so for consuming news and, and documents and things, it's actually it's very usable. Yeah, well, I, I don't think um, don't think Apple are going um, uh, to be losing a whole lot of market share in this space. They're, you know, they're delivering really good. Uh, Really good devices, and uh, they've done some good, good refresh, uh, good refreshes this year. Um, and it helps that there's just so many accessories and so on available for their products as well. That's something I've noticed with some of the new products uh, coming through in other categories. There aren't often a lot of accessories unless they're the big, you know, mainstream lead products. So in the US, uh, we've had these new, for instance, eight-inch uh, Windows tablets. 
being launched. None of them have, uh, well, there's only one of them that's reached the market here, low-end one from ASUS, uh, but generally very few uh, accessories, which yeah, makes it a little bit harder, whereas we've got some yeah, nice keyboard cases and, and things like that for um, for the iPads. We've just got no standard across all the Android. Like It's such a fragmented, you know, all the different sizes and ports and everything. That's why there's just no, which is very annoying being an Android fan, but with it, there's no really any good accessories for them, which is annoying. Yeah, well, I think, if I mean, if you're buying the... the uh, the Samsung products, it's not, it's not as bad because they do sell a huge number. But if you go, uh, you know, to more obscure or maybe their, you know, discount products and so on, uh, then yeah, those things may, uh, maybe miss out. Um, now on the Android front, really lots of good products this year. It's kind of hard to, uh, uh, hard to pick, but, um, some of the ones that stood out was the, uh, the Galaxy Note, uh, 10.1. Uh, the new one that, that's just uh, come out, the 2014 edition. Uh, really, really nice 10-inch uh, tablet with a, a real high-definition display. Um, the LG G2, um, which is a pretty stunning uh, smartphone. Nate, did you have a play with the LG G2 when it was here? can't remember if you've... Oh, I can't uh, remember. Yeah. Um, I, no, I don't think... Is it the one that came in the two... It's got the uh, the roller oh, and stuff yeah, behind the... Behind the um, camera. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not behind, the camera. underneath the camera. Yeah. I actually think Rod Drew from Zero's got one of these. I'm pretty sure when he was at um, Massey, when I saw him a couple of weeks back at the, yep. the cloud thing with Vend, that he was using one of those because other than that, or he's got some way to use his mind to make his phone scroll, but I'm pretty sure he was using that. I like the fact of having that button there. I think it's a cool way to scroll and it sort of makes sense too. Yeah, really, really powerful uh, phone, nice big screen. Uh, I think the most powerful... Um, yeah, processor ins- inside a smartphone uh, to date. Uh, the other one that's uh, stood out is Google's Nexus Five, uh, which is a you know a pretty top spec uh, smartphone at a fairly reasonable price. Um, some some debate around whether it should be cheaper uh, in New Zealand than in some of the other markets, um, but overall a good good value handset. Uh, and one of the other newest ones we just got a hand on, hands on recently was um, HP Slate 7 uh, Extreme, which is their higher end 7-inch uh, tablet. And uh, this is quite nice and follows in, in the uh, footsteps of what um, Samsung have done with the Galaxy Note products and it comes with a stylus so you can do that uh, the handwriting on the screen and drawing and, and the like. I think the feature I like really from the Nexus range and the 5 especially is the um, photospheres, which is where, you know, like in your Google Maps, you can do like a 360 up and down and around and see um, a particular location before you drive there. With this one, you can actually go to your favorite, um, say, beach spot and actually just sort of spin around. I, I don't know exactly how you do it. From what I've read, you spin around with the camera. You can create your own photosphere, upload it, and then people can actually see it on a map and experience yeah, you can share that are. stuff onto Google Maps, can't you? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. very cool. Not, yeah. I don't think it's actually you can do it with other phones, but it's all quite manual. You've got to stitch it together. Whereas the Nexus Five, you can just use the app or whatever it is and and do your little sphere, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and um, you know that that's I guess yeah similar to some of the capabilities that um, um, well, there's been one or two other apps that do that sort of thing that sort of stitch together the uh, the 360. Microsoft have had something like that. Uh, but the unique thing here is that they tie into uh, into Google Maps, which is, is kind of nice. Uh, now, Windows devices sort of stood out. Um, 
couple of couple of phones. The uh, the Lumia 1020 that we had a look at uh, going back probably a couple of months or so, which was the 41 megapixel camera in a smartphone. Uh, very very cool device. Not uh, not ridiculously chunky, and we'll talk about another uh, smartphone uh, camera combo shortly. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's really the top end Windows phone at the moment, eleven hundred and forty nine dollars. Uh, but pretty incredible uh, camera capabilities and that ability to do sort of uh, to to zoom in because you've got such resolution. Um, the phone that uh, is sort of at that mid range uh, or mid mid to high end range, uh, another Samsung product there, eight of S. Uh, which at the beginning of the year came out around a thousand dollars, but now can be picked up uh, full retailer. I think for um, the two degrees variant of it anyway is four hundred ninety nine dollars, and uh, that the other day they were on special at three hundred and fifty. And this is a really really nice Samsung phone uh, in terms of specifications. Probably sits between the um, Galaxy S three and the Galaxy S four in terms of specs, um, eight megapixel camera and so on. Um, but really good bang for buck and a really stylish um, device. And the other Windows one is the uh, the Surface Two, which Nate, I know you've um, you've had a good good look at that. Um, and yeah, coming in at six hundred and forty nine dollars makes it pretty competitive with the with the iPad uh, for people that that uh, want that sort of Windows experience and the convenience of the sort of snap on um, uh, touch cover in terms of the keyboard. So when you buy the Surface at six forty nine, does it include the touch cam? No, so no, it's just it's, a unit by itself. Yeah, which is similar, I guess, to buying iPads and other devices, as the you know the magnetic covers and and things are always a an add on accessory. Now, um, Kent, you've just obviously gone through the process of buying a ten inch um, sort of form factor tablet, and you've ended up uh, with the iPad here. Um, uh, well, I guess I carry three products. I carry an iPhone, an iPad, and a MacBook. So I've got the uh, MacBook experience as well. Um, but I guess interestingly, my mum went through a similar process. She was trying to upgrade a, a notebook, an old, uh, probably nearly a four-year-old machine running on Windows 7. And and I tried to talk her into uh, the, the Surface um, because I said, look, you can run all of the Windows programs on it. You're going to be familiar with Outlook and Word and, and things like that. And she said, no, it's all right. I just want an iPad. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so interesting, we, isn't it? I th- and I think uh, I think the iPad has gained you know a massive amount of momentum in the market, and it really is the default purchase as far as a tablet's concerned, isn't it? Mm. Certainly, in a lot of in a lot of sectors. I think to the stage where if you've got a tablet, people assume it's an iPad. Pretty much shows that you're the dominating brand in that particular um, form factor. So. Yeah, I mean, certainly to the, I guess the non, the non, uh, the non tech savvy, then. Yeah, with the non, non tech savvy, I guess, uh, you know, everything looks like a, looks like an iPad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now in other areas, um, waterproof gadgets. Well, Sony sort of pretty much sort of steals the show there in terms of uh, tablets and 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 smartphones. Um, there is of course the the, um, the GoPro as well, which is, has done really well there. Uh, but the um, Sony Xperia Z one and the Sony Xperia Z um, both really cool uh, Android smartphones uh, that are waterproof. And uh, the, the Sony's Xperia Tablet Z, um, also really cool. Either of you have an interest in waterproof gadgetry? I was wondering, is this going to become the standard? 
you think that every phone will just come out as waterproof? Uh, I'd like to think so. I think that would be a great step forward. Because surely water, I, I know if, when you, if you've ever had a water damaged phone, it's pretty much game over. So I'm wondering if yeah, there'll, there'll be a massive push that just by default, every phone will come out that you can if you're out boating and it drops down into the water. Inside the boat, obviously not <laughs> over the side. You can sort of just brush it off and away you go. Well, I do a bit of running and um, I like to carry my phone with me so I can get the GPS results and, and kilometres and everything like that. And and having to put my phone in a glad bag all the time and find a glad bag and make sure it doesn't have any holes in it. And then when it does actually start raining, I find that my phone's wet inside the glad bag. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to more waterproof smartphones. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal, is it? The um, And Samsung have also had their Galaxy S4 um, active as well. Uh, which sort of falls into that sort of space of, of being a little bit more robust and, uh, um, you know, having that, that waterproof ability, although that, that hasn't, um, yeah, they haven't put a lot of effort into sort of promoting that uh, locally. Um, but, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was probably, must be going back two years that we really started to see these ion uh, coatings that you could, uh, you know, you could get for your devices. And in fact, at that stage, uh, I'm trying to remember the company that we met up with at CES, but you could, uh, basically send them your device. Didn't matter what it was, could be an iPhone, what have you. You'd send it into them $50 later. They would send it back with that coating on it. So it would, uh, you know, effectively waterproof any existing device. So the fact that you can actually get that done, uh, today, uh, you know, it, do, it makes a lot of sense that it just becomes a sort of a standard offering. I wonder whether part of the reason we don't see it more is the vendors are worried about the situations where the waterproofing doesn't work and then they get stuck with having to replace the devices. Um, so maybe the sort of the ion coatings and so on will become quite normal uh, and you know maybe it becomes less of a selling feature but it'll just be normal that you can get things a little bit wet or get them underwater. But... Uh, the the Sony and using it, you know, anywhere is um, is pretty good. And if you want to, uh, you know, take a book to read in the bath or something, then um, take phone calls in the shower. Yep, all that sort of stuff. Then uh, you can now do it. So there you go. Um, or something to take to the beach, which is probably, uh, um, you know, you don't really want to have a have a have a phone ringing or something, but. Uh, if you're going on a little bit of a holiday and uh, you know you want a want a gadget, then uh, a waterproof one is is probably quite a good idea. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping next year we'll bring a lot more of that uh, a lot more of that stuff through. Uh, in terms of laptops, um, probably the uh, the one that's picked up the most attention has been the MacBook Air. Uh, that was really the f- the first uh, product to really stand out with um, Intel's new Haswell processor. Just you know, really great uh, improvement in battery life, and really nice product overall. Of course, we've seen a lot more um, devices come through with those new chips from Intel. Uh, Nate, now you've just been playing with um, HP's um, EliteBook 840G1, um, the EliteBook Folio. Yep. What's your uh, what's your take on this? This is this is their um, you know this is sits in the you know, squarely in their sort of business or enterprise sort of product range. So it's at the uh, at the higher end. Um, it's cool. I've actually got an elite book, but it's not as nice as this one. It's not as thin. It's not as aluminium or aluminium. Um, did we say it's got built in four G? Uh, yeah. So this one's got a uh, just a SIM slot. You just pop your SIM card into the side of it. 
and without a tray, etc., it just pops in, and uh, and away you go. Four G. It's also got the um, the docking station, which I like, and it's got the side port. So what actually happens is, which I didn't know until I got my one, is you stick it down, and then there's a contraption that slides across and plugs into the side. So the old HPs would the docking port would be actually underneath the laptop, whereas this is across to the slot uh, the side. Um, which is a big one for any business user that wants to quickly connect screens. You've got to have a docking station. It's a really nice laptop. Um, I suppose the only uh, thing we were able to find that doesn't have is a touchscreen. Yeah, and apparently there are touchscreen uh, models coming, but uh, the review unit we got our hands on uh, doesn't have that. And it's got the Windows 8 or 8.1 sticker on it, but that one's actually come with Windows uh, Windows 7, yep. which, of course, a lot of businesses are still uh, you know, still running. I still use Windows 7. I find it's fine. Uh, this is 8 gig of RAM, 223 gigabyte solid-state hard drive. Must yeah, be. 256 solid-state. So, yeah. It's a nice, overall, very nice. Very, very fast machine. And, uh, you know, having the new chip in it means you get uh, you get some pretty good battery life. Oh, the other point is the fact that the touchpad doesn't have the, the feedback, so... Uh, for example, with mine, you click it and it sort of gives you a bit of feedback. Whereas this one, you sort of just tap it in the bottom left, and that's it doesn't move at all, does it? No. And then tap the bottom right, obviously. But it is it. pressure sensitive, so you can maybe do some fancy sort of drawing and stuff like that with it. Mm. Um, and you can do all the gesture control. So if you're using Windows 8, you can actually do a lot of those sort of gestures actually on the uh, on the touchpad itself. Oh, that's cool. Just kind of kind of handy. A uh, couple of other uh, products is the um, Lenovo ThinkPad. They've had their X two forty out and their uh, T uh, what is it T four forty. Both really really nice uh, t- touch screen laptops. Not the stylishness of the HP. I think the um, you know the the folio looks really really nice with that aluminium look. Um, the ThinkPads have sort of got this classic look that doesn't ever seem to change much, uh, but really, really robust and convenience of all of the all of the things that you really need. And even without docking, you've still got an Ethernet port in the side, which you know, HP is sort of starting and others are sort of starting to uh, drop. Uh, you've got a VGA port as well as a, a mini display port, so you walk into a, a meeting room to need to do some sort of presentation. And, you know, the, if there's only... Um, only uh, a you know, VGA cable available for the projector, no problem because it's got that. Uh, and you've got that unique of having um, dual batteries. So uh, there's a battery that's actually completely inside the device as well as a removable uh, cell. So yeah, if you're sitting on a long flight or you're in a situation where you need to change your battery, uh, you, know, you don't even need to turn the, uh, the, the ThinkPad off. Um, because you've got that internal battery that uh, that's running, you can just switch your battery over, which is kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of our our business um, businessy stuff. On oh, the other product we had a play with um, earlier on, or a few months, a couple of months back, uh, that definitely stands out as um, as a good one, sort of for um, home or uh, you know small small office, is um, HP's ProLiant uh, Micro Server. Uh, the current generation of those um, starts at, at well under a thousand dollars before you add sort of warranties and and you know uh, a lot of storage and so on to them. But uh, yeah, quite quite good value for that. Just very small uh, basic server. Uh, now wearables. Have either of you guys had a look at um, smartwatches? I think Nate, we've had uh, we've had one or two on the show during the uh, the year. Um, 
The problem you is haven't like, been compelled to sort of jump in because no. you're, you're quite a Samsung and an Android fan. Uh, but uh, yeah, you haven't jumped in with a with a Galaxy Gear. The issue is I haven't worn a watch for many years, and I'd find it quite annoying. So it's not the fact I don't like the technology; it's just I don't wear a watch. So that's a big thing for me. Yeah, I, I guess the same as well. I haven't worn a watch in a number of years, um, uh, and I like the idea of a smart watch. Um, and I even saw that um, the, the, the Casio G-Shocks now support iPhone by Bluetooth. I wonder uh, what cool. I wonder what that would do for battery life. Um, but um, well, the low-power Bluetooth actually is really good on battery life, so it shouldn't be a big drama. But you're certainly not going to get the same battery life you would have without it. Mm. I think for me being a runner, when there's a smart watch that actually does my heart rate at the same time without having to wear a chest strap, that's when I'm going to jump in. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the ones that wasn't on the list that we um, uh, have played with was um, TomTom's Multisport that you can use for swimming, cycling, uh, running, and that needed actually um, some configurations. They were making that available with the um, with the ch- chest strap to do the heart rate piece, um, rather than sort of some sort of sense another you know simpler mm. sensor. Uh, but I think that sort of thing will will come. Um, the the one I got didn't ha- didn't have the um, um, the heart rate monitor on it, so I haven't haven't tried that piece. But uh, I think because I got it just after after it came out, um, yeah, it was a bit frustrating. Some of the the firmware, the software side of it, wasn't maybe as reliable as it should have been. Um, I need to give that another go because it's um, yeah, it's now been a, been a you know, two or three months since it came out. Probably need to relook at that um, that product and just see how how it's uh, how it fares. Uh, but the, yeah, there's a lot of products that come out uh, in that sort of um, sporty type space as far as wearables because you've got the Fitbit, Fitbit Flex and a couple of other products for Fitbit. A number of other vendors internationally that are doing those things that you wear that um, you know will track your exercise or even just really simple act as a sort of a, a pedometer. Um, and then the other wearable, of course, of note, um, the, the Pebble Watch finally sort of became broadly available this year. Uh, and there's quite a few people that really, um, really love those. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those areas that I think it's reasonably hard to predict. I know some people are, are sort of saying that, uh, smart watches are a bit of a flash in the pan and, uh, yeah, they're not really much use and they're not going to stick around. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm not not sure about that. I see there's there's definitely a use for some of these products, whether it's sports or otherwise. Um, some some benefits, particularly as these things get smaller and lighter and better battery life. Um, now, other sort of little bits and pieces that we've looked at. Uh, um, whole. I mean, there's there's really. We could probably go on for hours talking about some of the cool gadgets that have come out this year. Um, we'll mention one from uh, Netgear since Kent's here. We better mention uh, one of Kent's products. Um, that's quite cool. Is the uh, the little push t- TV um, box? Maybe Kent, you can describe what it uh, what it does and how big it is. All right, very good. It's uh, it's about the size of your credit card. Um, it's probably about a centimeter thick. Um, so it's a pretty small device. Um, plugs into any panel that's any TV panel or projector that's got an HDMI port. Uh, it can power itself off either an available USB port or with a 240 volt adapter. And I guess the whole uh, idea is that you can push your screen of nearly any device to this um, push to TV product using what's called wireless display or Miracast. So there's two different standards that it supports, um, which is nearly all current Windows devices. Well, sorry, I should say Windows 8 and 8.1 devices. Um, and a lot of the, the current phones that are out, so the Nokia Lumias, the Sony Xperas, 
Uh, most of the Samsung support this using the Miracast standard. So you can replicate your screen on a TV. So you don't have to all gather around your phone to watch a YouTube clip. You can actually watch it on the TV in the lounge. Yeah, it's quite, they're quite handy. And um, it retails sort of just under $100, doesn't it? So it's quite a good price point. Yes, it does, yeah. And some of the retailers are doing bundles. So if you buy a new uh, tablet or a new notebook or something and it supports these standards, then um, there's an opportunity to, to get that as a bundle item. Right, right. That's oh, pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I mean, Apple have sort of had their Apple TV product that, uh, you know, crosses over with what this does. This really supports all of the all of the non-Apple devices, doesn't it, really? You could it's say a- everything but Apple. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking for something similar on the Apple side, um, Apple TV is actually an awesome purchase for uh, uh, for hooking into your TV. And I've got, you know, one at the office here and one at home and, uh, yeah. Just um, super, super helpful. We're seeing a lot of schools and boardrooms deploying both so that they've got the flexibility for whatever kind of device. So um, we're starting to talk about people choosing their own device. So whether they bring their own tablet, um, whether it's given to them by their business or by their school, it doesn't actually matter anymore. You can can use any tablet. So being able to support that you, uh, through wireless display uh, uh, means that schools, for example, can connect both to their projector um, and you can immediately share someone's screen no matter what kind of device it is whether it's apple or something else yep no that, that makes a lot of sense and that's uh, uh i guess that's what we're do, doing here uh, too now uh there's a few more other things on that uh on that list that sort of best of uh 2013 list including uh some freebies actually so well worth a little bit of a uh a look at nztechpodcast.com there uh, under the blog uh, section or just on the front page, you'll uh, you'll see that best of um, 2013 tech. So uh, jump in and have a look. Now, um, we've got a couple of gadgets. Now, what haven't we talked about? Um, now, we've got two bits from Samsung here, actually. So, Nate, you are, uh, you're a bit of a Samsung fanboy, I could probably get away with <laughs> saying. Probably. Uh, Galaxy S4 user. Now, you've got the... Um, somewhat unusual looking Galaxy S4 in your hand. Yeah, it looks like you took a Samsung phone and then took a camera and then put them in a press and smashed them together. Yeah, so this is the um, Galaxy S4 uh, Zoom, and this uh, it's it's been out for uh, probably a month or or so. Uh, I just didn't get a chance to uh, uh, get hold of it earlier. Now Samsung released a similar product last year. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it was their first iteration. This is this is quite a good uh, leap forward. Uh, we've all sort of had a little bit of a play with it, Nate. You first up. What's your uh, what's your take on the idea? Uh, cool idea, I suppose, because you, you've got ten times zoom, which is very handy. But just making a call on this looks very strange. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm trying to remember the Nokia that came out a number of years ago. It reminds me of the Nokia that was so different at the time. Um, I think it had the keyboard on either side of the screen. Um, right. And you could turn oh, it over. Yeah. And I thought, oh, who's going to turn their phone over? And now what's the standard, right? So so maybe having an optical zoom camera in the back of your phone is going to become standard. Um, but I agree, it, it looks um, odd at the moment. Yeah, I mean, from one direction, when you can't see how thick it is and what's on the other side... You just think, oh, there's a sort of a you know mini Galaxy S4, and then from the other, it, j- it just looks like a point and shoot uh, 
point and shoot camera. Um, but they've done a couple of cool things. So um, I was able to carry it around in my pocket without worrying that I was going to bump it, turn it on, and the lens was going to go out and get busted because it was, um, you know, squeezed up in my pocket. Um, there are, you know, a few smart things about the way the lens is covered, so you can't go in and sort of um, damage where the where it sort of opens and closes. I've which been trying to touch the mechanism on the inside, yeah, I can which, see you can't. which in the past, uh, you know, those sort of cameras often they get got damaged there. Um, so it's got a little bit of a, uh, a, a cover over that part of the, uh, the lens, which, you know, makes it a bit stronger. And you've got that physical control of the, the zoom, so you don't have to do it all on screen. And I think just that ability to be able to, you know, take photos out and about and to immediately have them push straight up to, you know, the cloud, uh, you know, to an online storage over, you know, 4G or 3G, uh, that ability to tweet and, and, and so on on the go with a, with a, I wouldn't say it's a top end camera, but a pretty, pretty darn good, uh, you know, uh, camera and, uh, you know, probably the best of its kind that's got, uh, um, all of those sort of native Android capabilities and, uh, and 4G built in. So yeah, I think, uh, quite a standout product. It's, it's really going to be a niche product. I don't think they're going to sell a, a huge number of these, but, uh, I can see for myself, this is something I'll probably, uh, um. Well, I might might well uh, use this at CES, for instance, uh, if I can uh, if I can hold on to it for a few more days. Uh, it'll be quite good for uh, uh, taking photos of, of things and sharing them online whilst uh, whilst an event. It's definitely more of a camera that I feel than a phone, just with that big lens on the back. So I think if you are taking a few photos and and like being able to take some decent photos with your phone, it's probably going to be worthwhile. If you take the odd occasional photo and you're happy with the sort of mere quality that a smartphone gives you, then this is probably a bit overkill. Yeah, I can just imagine in the future this sort of thing will just become norm, that you'll have, uh, you'll either just have a full mobile OS and apps and so on in your camera as standard, and it might be that it's uh, it tethers by Wi-Fi or Bluetooth back to your normal smartphone, uh, but just having all of those capabilities in there uh, is really nice over and above just having the camera capabilities. Mm. So, yeah, very nice. Uh, and the other gadget, Kent, you were having a bit of a play around with this uh, earlier on. Oh, both of you were, really. Um, it's a somewhat brightly coloured uh, Samsung tablet. What's this all about? Yeah, so uh, remind me of the name of it, Paul. Um, um, so this is called the Galaxy Tab 3 7.0 Kids. So it's basically a, a, a kid's tablet, 7-inch screen. Cool. So, so when you power it on, you've actually got an option of setting up as a normal Android tab or having it in kids mode. Um, and in kids mode, it'll, it'll enable parental controls. Um, you can limit the time that, um, your kids are going to be able to play games and, and do the educational activities on here. Um, it's got an amazing rubber bumper. I've never seen a rubber bumper so thick. Um, and, uh, I think you'd need that too, right? Um, well, it means a kid can have a bit of a tantrum and, uh, toss it across the room and, uh, Hopefully it uh, it'll handle it. Yeah, very very brightly coloured, um, and the games look really cool. Um, Nate was playing uh, a train game before, weren't you, Nate? It was actually a lot of fun, if I'm honest. He delayed the whole podcast because he was really getting stuck into <laughs> well, it. Well, I actually. had to pick up the people and then pick up this freight and then drop it off. I actually have no idea what the the whole idea of the game was, but I was enthralled. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. So it is, it is good, yeah. Having those parental controls and limiting how long a, a you know a, a child can use it for and so on. 
is is good, and you know those sort of features aren't standard in uh, in most tablets, and most tablets aren't as robust as this. Um, there is a fair bit of competition out in the market. There's a few other players that are doing things sort of focused uh, on that uh, on that that um, that child and kids sort of uh, market. Uh, Leapfrog got some products. Uh, there are various ones out there, but uh, yeah, it's good to see the, these um, these things coming through. Uh, because as Kent mentioned, we, we were chatting um, before we started. You give a normal, you know, kids love grabbing the iPad or whatever the tablet is that's around, uh, and uh, yeah, often their you know standard device isn't set up with those parental controls, and you don't quite know uh, you know what they might end up doing or how long they might end uh, uh, end up you know using it for. Um, I guess that's something that's reasonably easy to control, but it's quite nice to have that built in as an artificial feature so that the device breaks after 30 minutes of use a day or whatever it is that you want to uh, set as a limit. Kind of cool. Um, all right, so, uh, yeah, that probably brings us through uh, most of most of the products, but, um, Kent, tell us a little bit about um, what's happening in the Netgear area. Now, one product that um, you showed me going back sort of 12 or 18 months ago was something called... Um, View zone camera, which is something Netgear is doing, and uh, there's a bit of a product refresh uh, coming up for that. We'd like to see that in New Zealand. We certainly are. So, Netgear purchased a company called View zone, um, as you said, about 18 months ago. Um, and these guys did a, a really exciting thing for the US Army, they produced this camera. Um, with three lenses on it that they, the army guys could throw into a, a combat zone and then they could look at it wirelessly on their arm. Um, and and from a, a wireless camera, battery-powered point of view, this is really quite exciting. So so in, in a typical home, you're actually going to be able to put a camera anywhere you like. Oh, so you um, don't just toss toss the camera into the, in through the front front door or It's not a bad like idea. That. It's not a bad idea, actually. But no, these, are, these come with little 3M magnetic pads that you can mount, say, in the corner of a room anywhere you like. Um, right. You don't need to run any power to it. These run on uh, little 3-volt batteries, the same kind of batteries you'd put in a SLR camera. Right, um, yeah. And, and I've had one across the road from my house. I actually climbed a ladder and stuck it to a tree in the reserve so that I could record the front of my house. Um, it's been running on those batteries for 18 months now. Um, so, so if I have to go and replace the batteries every year or so, it's not too big a task. Um, but being able to surveillance your home without actually having to run cables whether that's Ethernet cables or whether it's power cables, is really quite an exciting proposition. So, so Netgear's had this product out, and it's been selling really well in Apple stores in the US. Um, we haven't released it in, the, in New Zealand or Australia um, because it does actually need some cloud services, um, and that's something we've had to build out locally to be able to support this product. So that's now been done, and we're going through a hardware refresh. So we should see this product in New Zealand, hopefully February, March. Um, and these new cameras will also be... Um, uh, outdoor um, savvy, so they they're not going to matter if they get a bit of rain on them or a bit of wind or anything. Um, they're going to uh, handle all of that. Um, so if you want to check it out, go to viewzone dot com. Um, it will come up as a Netgear website. Uh, uh, either that, or you can um, try and uh, search online to find Kent's address, and there's uh, there's one sitting opposite his house. <laughs> <probably> <laughs> tree, Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, Kent. So it comes with the apps and uh, web access that you'd expect. So there's a nice iOS app. There's yeah. um, the Play Store app and things like that. And I guess the battery life, um, you know, the, because it works, it works as motion based, doesn't it? In terms of its its yes, so its capture. So um, so if you log in remotely, you can remotely view, and that'll obviously enable live view of video 
then. Um, you can actually capture images if you want to. Um, and of course, you can then enable all kinds of motion detection. So you, on motion detection, it can email you a photo or it can email you a video, which is actually quite unique to the ViewZone product. Right, right. Um, and, yeah. I, and I guess it depends on all of those, you know, what your interaction is with it in terms of how long your battery life's going to be, right? If you've got Wi-Fi on all the time, you're going to drain it pretty quick, right? That's right. It actually doesn't use standard Wi-Fi. So we are having to ship a, um, a unique base station for this because it, although it's based on typical wireless standards, it's actually very low power. Right. Um, and it's not constantly polling like existing Wi-Fi. Um, so through that, I think the biggest uses for this are, are to watch and see what the pets are doing at home, um, maybe look in on the kids if you've got a babysitter. Um, so it may not be about um, home security. I guess it's a bit of a surveillance thing where you can actually see what's going on. Cool. All right. Well, I'll look forward to uh, having a little bit of a play with that one um, into the new year. And what else is sort of, you know, if we look back over the last, last year, what's sort of been – you know, one or two sort of standout products in the New Zealand market. I know you, you know, you've got a lot of networking, uh, gear, wireless extenders and all sorts of things. Uh, you've got your network attached storage boxes. You've got, yeah. you know, quite a range of products. I guess mostly targeting, um, you know, the small to medium business and the consumer, uh, market. Maybe, you know, one from each side that's... Um All right. All right. There's a lot we could talk about and uh, we're already a few minutes in. So, um, I'll, I'll look, I think I'd, if we just touch on wireless is probably the, the pr- uh, prevalent thing out there at the moment. Um, we see a lot of customers that have existing wireless. Maybe they've had wireless for a number of years. Um, but as they add more devices at home, they're needing more coverage. Um, as you add more devices, um, your existing router will actually have a smaller, I suppose you'd call it a bubble of wireless. Um, so, so a few months ago, we released 11AC, which is the latest and greatest wireless um, standard on the market. Gigabit um, Wi-Fi, they're calling it, aren't they? They are indeed, yes. So we can now get up to 1,300 megabits on that 5 gig frequency. Um, and if you add that, if you've got a dual band device like a new MacBook Air or a new Samsung, um, then you can actually get up to 1,800 megabits as a peak speed. Um, so true video streaming is now a possibility. Um, low lag gaming is a possibility. Um, and, and of course, providing additional coverage throughout a, an environment. We're talking about the connected backyard now. We're, I guess we're talking less about connecting an office or a bedroom. That's almost passe. That's, that's something everyone expects. Um, but being able to connect the backyard is quite important so that we can actually enjoy streaming cricket games. You know, we've got the West Indies one day is coming up. Um, we'll be able to play cricket in the backyard and see what's happening live in the game um, by watching it online. Mm-hmm. Um, so we Yeah, need- that is actually becoming more important. I, I mean, I think about it, I jump in my car, I'm about to head out, and I think, oh, there's that podcast that I meant to download. I haven't done it yet. Um, oh, I've actually got enough, you know, if you've got that wireless coverage out to even just where your car is, you can pull down content before you jump out and you're, uh, you know, paying for your downloads on, on 3G or, or 4G. So exactly right. That, that sort of extended coverage is pretty handy. So, so 11AC is, is really important. Um, and we've seen it grow so much. Um, it already it represents 30% of the market, um, for consumer networking. Um, it's growing faster than any other category. Um, so the, this, this new Wi Fi, um, 
obviously a lot faster. But what difference does it make from a from a uh, a coverage perspective? How does it how does it work there? Because you sort of expect the performance goes up, maybe your coverage is going to go down. Well, uh, the amazing thing of this is that the eleven AC standard has actually got beam forming built into it. So uh, it sounds complex, but um, how it actually works, it'll actually track you track you and your devices as you move around your home. Um, so we might have got one bar before. The idea of beamforming is it'll actually direct a solid stream of wireless to you um, so that you'll actually get full reception and therefore better throughput. So when we uh, replace an existing wireless G or wireless N network, we're actually seeing customers get better range and better throughput. I guess that depends on how many people are, are using it. Like if you had lots and lots of people in all directions and it can't sort of you know, put all its power and its focus on... Uh, Exactly on just one right. person, otherwise you're going to upset uh, everyone else. But in a situation where you've got a small number of users and devices in a home, then you get good results? Yeah, so uh, for a positioning point of view, we position 11 AC up to about 12 or 14 devices in a, right. in a home. So that's okay. quite a lot of wireless devices. Maybe that's three or four wireless devices per person. Um, so if you're a really good consumer out there, 11 AC is definitely the way to go. Um, whereas wireless N, we'd have suggested it could maybe support six to maybe nine devices. Um, right. And wireless G, obviously, even less. Right. Okay. Oh, that's that's interesting. All right. And um, just to sort of wrap up on a, a business, uh, the business sort of side of things, um, anything new in that space? Well, storage, I guess, is growing so fast. Um, it's rampant in business. Um, we understand businesses' storage requirements are almost doubling every year. Um, and I remember having this discussion with a number of people maybe two years ago, and we used to say data doubled every two or every three years. Well, it's it's doubling every year now within a business. So the requirement for on-site storage is, is be, it's so fast growing. Um, in New Zealand, we're somewhat limited by our connectivity to the cloud. Um, and obviously there's some challenges around where do you want to store your business data. So Nick, you make a, a product range called ReadyNAS, which is obviously a NAS product, network attached storage. Um, and what that lets you do is have local storage and then choose what data you actually want to push up to the cloud. So we call it hybrid storage or hybrid cloud, where you might have some stuff backed up on site um, and then, of course, some, some data backed up off site as well. And, and with the ReadyNAS platform, we actually support a product called ReadyNAS Replicate, which is a free app that runs on the ReadyNAS and you log in via a web page. And if you have more than one ReadyNAS, you can actually back up data from one ReadyNAS to the other. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool capability, isn't it? Without having to do anything you don't complex need a VPN like or anything, VPN right? or port forward or anything. We handle all of that. It's all free. Um, and so we see a lot of small businesses deploying, say, one on-site. Um, having their PCs and maybe their server backing up to the ReadyNAS on-site and then pushing a copy off-site as well. So we get to do the disaster recovery or off-site piece at the same time. Mm. Um, and that's quite an affordable way to go about it. And you know exactly where your data is. You can go pick it up if you want to because maybe it's at the director's home or the batch or at a friend's home. So, for example, I back up my photos at home to my brother's NAS in Brisbane. Um, and likewise, he sends his photos here. So... From a photo recovery point of view, we don't have to really worry about what's going to happen to those photos in a fire or if there's theft or something like that. Yeah, oh, that's a, that's interesting. Okay, well, good stuff. Well, I think that uh, that probably wraps us up for uh, for this this episode. Um, and of course, we will be at the um, Consumer Electronics Show 
and uh, well, less than uh, less than two weeks now. So um, we've got uh, we'll ha- we'll have some podcasts coming from there, and we'll be, I guess, uh, covering really a whole a whole broad range of uh, of things from uh, tech startup companies that will be uh, showing off uh, what they're up to uh, to you know a large majority of the. Uh, the global tech firms and uh, and some of those sort of less well known ones will be showing off uh, new products there at at CES, formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, so yeah, keep a watch out for uh, for that. Uh, and if if time allows, we'll have um we'll have another episode that'll sort of uh, that may come in between uh, this one and that coverage. Um, we'll see how we go. Uh, next week for that but uh, hey thanks everyone for listening in thanks Nate for joining us again that's right now we can track you down on Twitter at Nate at Nate it's pretty easy and then I just blog um, on Geek Science so just find me there and uh, uh, and you can get me on Twitter at Kent, Kent DNZ or the usual Facebook and LinkedIn and everything else like that. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Kent. And, uh, yeah, you can track me down on Twitter at Paul Spain. And uh, we're nztechpodcast.com, at nztechpodcast on Twitter, and facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. So uh, feel free to connect with us in those places, uh, particularly if you're interested in uh, some of those sort of Boxing Day bargains and things that will be uh, floating around. We'll usually uh, we'll post a few of those up um, on the social networks and uh, maybe up at uh, nztechpodcast.com as well. So thanks everyone for listening. Enjoyed having you with us this year and uh, we'll be back early in the new year. See ya.